to just to think that you can hold all that info in your memory and not forget about some shit. Like I am organized and clearly I have forgotten things. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's just, that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, and today's episode we are with Joe Jakowski. And in this conversation, it's super casual and we talk about Joe's semester at University of Michigan. And we also get into some of the tools that Joe uses and my tools as well about how to stay organized and just, you know, orient yourself in your life to basically make sure that almost nothing falls through the cracks or at least have a system in place that allows you to offload things from your brain and onto something else that is like a secondary brain, basically. And it may... Even though this may seem like a boring topic, which, you know, organization is like whatever. I mean, but there's a whole genre of stuff where people are looking for productivity tools, tips, and tricks. And I think sometimes there's like really not a good way of people getting exposed to these things. And for myself, podcasts are the way I've been exposed to many of the tools that I use. For instance, I wanted to throw out Evernote, shameless plug, because they're the ones that really help me orient my life. It's a desktop add-on, or you can get it on your phone as an app that basically is like your second brain. And it's set up in the way that you can make notebooks and you create a singular note, and then you can catalog every one of those notes into basically your own structured tiered folders of things. So for me right now in school, I have a NIU folder, and then I have every one of my classes has its own subfolder with all of the notes that go into the class and you can make reminders and things like that. So it's like all the things for one class is all there for me. I can see deadlines. I can see all that and everything else like that. So shameless plug there and a little long winded, but I just want to throw these things out there because I don't think people know that these things exist and kind of have any exposure to how you should, you know, have organization because it's really open ended. It's really what works for you. So please enjoy this conversation with Joe Jakowski. Uh, but we're joined with Joe Jakowski all the way back in Michigan. Hi. This is one of our, actually, this is our first one I think we've recorded online, right? We did one. Or was it one of the first ones we ever a did? A year ago. Yeah. I don't remember. Was it the developmental uh, psych one, I think, maybe? It was like episode it, three. I would imagine. I was just I was taking the backlog. <laughs> yeah, I was taking developmental psych at the time, so that, was, that would make sense. Dang. So, so we did do one of these before, but this is the first time in a while we've done this. So I guess the, the first thing to start out with is, is we just survived the Midwest freeze, polar vortex, Chiberia, or I don't, even, I don't know how bad it was for you. <laughs> Chiberia? Yeah. That's pretty good. I know. I didn't hear that one. Chiberia 2019. <laughs> Solid. Uh, I got like basically two days off of school slash work. More or less, I bought a nice thermal thermal jacket because I knew I was going to be at campus on Tuesday, just to be prepared. There you go. <laughs> and I'll use it anyways if I go hiking or something. Now, now I got a or skiing or whatever. I got a nice, nice warm jacket. Yeah, it was pretty cold here. Um, I basically spent my time indoors. Yeah. Gotta manage from my apartment. Mm-hmm. Which ever since I got this laptop, I've been like. 50% more effective. Oh, yeah. Explain the laptop you got just so for those, you know, technophile productivity nerds out there. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if I can give them the specs on it. No, it's no, the, not, it's, not specs, but just like the brand and gist of it. Oh, it's a MacBook Pro. So okay. I got one of the new MacBook Pros. Is that like all the $2,000 one? Yeah, it was like two grand. Dang. I mean, but it's so uh, tight. Yeah, I got to see you tap, tippity tapping away on it at, uh, 
Pollyanna when you were back home. Oh yeah, last I was. I um, I was fucking around getting um all those applications done or trying to get those applications done. I finished mm-hmm. the first one and sent it out um, on Friday, I think, because nice. it's due the first. So maybe wait, what did what day is today? Saturday. Second. Okay, second. so <laughs> I I. Post it on the 31st, Thursday. Okay. So I sent that in, and hopefully uh, that will result in something pretty legit. We'll see. Awesome. Yeah, I hope that works out for you, man, because when we talked about it, so by the time this one will go live, should, yeah, we'll, we'll have the one we did with me, you, and Jordan go live where you outlined what you did for all, or why you're doing grad school applications, I'm trying to remember to keep my timeline straight. Well, it's uh, not grad school applications. It's um, research. Sorry. Yeah, summer research uh, applications. So there's it's a ten for those that didn't see that other episode. There's a um, ten couple of ten week intensive research opportunities that happen in the summer at a handful of different universities. Uh, there's a Big Ten one. So there's the oh, I forget what it's called SROP. I forget what it stands for exactly, but it's basically all the Big Ten schools have the option to where you apply for this and then you go and do research for 10 weeks in the summer at a different uh, school. So you can't do it on your own. Like I can't do it here at the University of Michigan. I have to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one I'm gunning for on that is uh, Northwestern. Oh, nice. And then I would go there, live on campus and do research for 10 weeks, fully paid, fully funded with a stipend to live. What? That sounds legit. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, so do that. Or then I'm doing the Leadership Alliance one, which is instead of Big Ten schools, it's Ivy League schools. Okay. So it's, so it's like Harvard, Yale. Yeah, University of Chicago is in there, Duke. Um, I think uh, Johns Hopkins is in there. But only ha- you can only do, when you fill out the application, you put in what field of study you're interested in. Oh, okay. So okay. some so schools don't schools offer, happen. yeah. And the big three that I'm aiming for there are Yale, University of Chicago, and Harvard. Though they'll put out my application to the other schools too, if those three, basically just in case there's another school that's like, oh, we want this guy, then they can reach out to me and be like, hey, I know you didn't want us in your top three, but if you'd like to, you can come to research with us. That's cool. Like at least you get like at least it still puts you out there in the wider net, so to speak, so that you're not yeah, stuck. Just like that's what I'm hoping for. Like because just. I, I understand that it's a long shot that I'll get into or go get to do this at Harvard or, or Yale or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it'd be cool if like one of the other universities was interested. So mm-hmm. I'm not really that picky to be honest. I mean, if you just got to go anywhere, you know, that'd be just legit oh, in yeah. its own right. Right. <laughs> I think they pay for travel too. So if I end up going to, if I end up going to Harvard and have to live in Boston for 10 weeks, they'll pay for my flight, I guess. Or whatever it's going to take for me to get down there. Awesome. So that'll be pretty cool if I get the opportunity to do that. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I but would. there's just so much going on at the moment. Oh my god, I can't. I can hardly keep up with all this shit. I bet. Like, I, so like before you talked a bit about Japanese. Like, oh god, Jesus! How ridiculous that is. I don't know if you want to just run through it for those of the who are. I don't know if you told in the last podcast you were on anything about that one particularly dude it's demolishing me right now it's so bad um so just to get a sense of what kind of course this japanese course is it's a five credit hour course two days out of the week is a lecture three days out of the week is recitation all the either one is an hour long so five days a week i am doing japanese for an hour that's just the class period. Then I have homework, if not probably every other day I have homework due. Jesus. Which takes me usually, and part of this is just I am slow. Of course, I'm kind of guessing whether or not I'm slow. I don't actually know how people perform in this, but um, I'm slow. So it takes me like an hour to an hour and a half to get every piece of homework done. And then almost every week we either have a quiz and then like every month we have an exam. Of course, we just had an exam this Monday and we have another one in two weeks from now. 
Jesus Christ. I've it never is. seen a class that moves that fast. Never. Oh, yeah. Not to mention that we start, we f- had the exam for this last section on Monday. And on this was scheduled. It didn't end up happening because of the polar vortex and not having to go to school. But yeah. what was scheduled was that that same Wednesday, so this Wednesday, two days after our exam, we would have a quiz. And then two days after that quiz, on Friday, we would have another quiz. So that's an exam on Monday, a quiz on Wednesday, a quiz on Friday. So that means that you have, you literally finish a, a fucking, the first section on Monday, you have one day, Tuesday, of being introduced to the new section, and you have a quiz on that section the next day. How can they expect you to absorb any of that? Like, there's legitimate research I, that it takes you more than 24 hours to, like, absorb anything. Yeah. Well, they didn't read that shit. Like, it's insanity. Like, you need to sleep on material you learn first to, like, actually, you know, encode it into your memory. It's it's actually insane. Unless you're, like, genetically gifted or something. You Like, I don't know how anyone's going to excel in that course. On top of, you know, not to mention, you're taking a full course load. It's like you're only yeah. taking Japanese. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, dude. I I'm a little blown away every time this shit happens. <laughs> and I, I even talked to the professor at one point, asking. Um, I was just I basically said I can't keep up with this pace. Right. I was like, this is insane because in the first week of that class, we had two quizzes. So in five days, we had to have seventy terms memorized. Ridiculous. Which was. I was like, I what the fuck? Like, are you serious? Right. <laughs> like, how the what is this? Like, why are you doing this? Right. Like, there's no. It doesn't solve anything for anybody. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is it exactly that you think that this is going to accomplish? That's crazy. I don't know. It, it just seems so crazy to me that the language stuff, because it's like, especially with something like Japanese, where it's so, for lack of a better phrase, foreign for so many people. Um, yeah. that you can't expect to absorb it that quickly because it's just so out of the normal, you know, spellings of words. I mean, it's not even spelling words, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just crazy to me. Yeah, it's a totally different grammatical structure. Like, it's not like English. Mm-hmm. That's part of why it's a difficult language. It's just not set up the same. Mm-hmm. Outside of the Japanese thing, how are the other classes going? Because I know... You're in your like three, four hundred level classes now, right? Uh, I'm in two, three hundred levels at okay. the moment. Two other three, or actually three, technically three other three hundred level courses. Two of which are, or one is developmental cognition, and the other is perception. Ooh. And then I'm in a cognition lab. What's it? Basic and basic something cognition lab. Where I basically, it's not like a course, though it works as credit hours for my uh, major. Yeah. But it's, I I just work as a research assistant. Still sounds fun. (laughs) And that's, mind you, this is part of also why I'm having a hard time keeping up with Japanese. That's on top of the other research assistant job I have and the two cabinet positions I hold in the SBA. So it's kind of like, oh, I have a lot of shit happening right now. Yeah, you just have a lot of different things that require a decent amount of your attention. Yeah, it's not cool, but whatever. <laughs> you'll figure it out, and then you'll get past it, and you'll be like, I don't know how the fuck I managed it, but you did it anyways. <laughs> I know. That's, that's exactly how this is going to go. I already know. Because, you know, it goes fast. I mean, you're, you're done with your school semester pretty early compared to the, the average, I would say. Oh, yeah, definitely way early. I mean, we're done in April. Yeah, I mean, you got got like two months. (laughs) At the end of this month, I'll be um, on spring break. So you're here, or not here, but free. Off. Yeah, like the first week of March, basically, because I'm the second or third. So yeah, yeah. March. I think that's what it is, actually. I think it's the first week of March. So, or the first full week, so the third to the ninth. Mm -hmm. Which will be dope. And I've been trying to figure out what I want to do. I got invited to go on a cruise, but I was like, as a not single person, a cruise is kind of not what I'm looking for. Yeah. 
It's kind of, you know, cruise is kind of for debauchery a little bit, and you know. Yeah, it's like going. <laughs> it, that's exactly what it is. It's like you go on a cruise, hit up a places, but you only stay there for a limited amount of time, and then you drink yourself half to death on the ocean. Right. Yeah. That's what a cruise is. And you go there and you meet people and you have a good social interaction and maybe you hook up, maybe you don't, whatever it is. It's all about that's kind fun. Of, it's kind of that flirtatious um, social experience that the cruise what a, is what a cruise is. Yeah. And that's, at least for our age group, and that's just not, I'm just not interested in that. I, I have a girlfriend, like I don't want to be put, I don't want to be in that position. Yeah, you're like, I just don't want to be in this mindless party mode. Basically. Yeah, I would. I, if I travel, I want to be able to go and I want to see the culture and live and get an experience out of it, not yeah. from that that type of social. Not not just be in a drunken stupor and not even really remember. Like everything's going to be a haze of like that's this is what I did for the last you know what you know yeah. whatever like a week probably or five days. Right, um, that's exactly right. I don't I don't want to. If I'm going to travel, I want it to be more substantive than that absolutely that's 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 what i want to do as soon as I school's over and things like that it'll be starting to at the very least since it'll be a little bit more money easier to travel to time and money wise it's just kind of picking a state or something or picking a destination like let's go there and we'll spend like you know four days or something just figure it out use like airbnb or something yeah kind of like what uh, alex and jordan they just got back from denver um, oh, did they say if they liked it? How was yeah, it? They, they said they were there. So they got delayed two days from coming home, obviously. Um, Wait, how did that happen? Because of the weather. Because they were supposed to come back. Oh, they were there during that whole... Yeah, they were supposed to come back, I believe, Tuesday night. But then the, the extreme cold and whatnot caused their plane to be delayed. They got back late Thursday, I think. Because I, I, I went to Pollyanna yesterday to, to pick up those three new beers for the for Super Bowl shenanigans that was going to happen this weekend. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and she was telling me it's like it got delayed, but they 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 were still like forty degree weather over there, so it was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but to, to back up for real quick, those three new beers, man! Oh my god, are they good? I was going to ask. I was like, yo, tell me about. This. So good. So I put a picture up on my Instagram for those of you wondering. So the, the three new beers, the one is the Toasted Coconut Fun Size, and that's a milk stout with toasted coconut, peanut, cacao, nibs, and vanilla bean, and sea salt. So it's a lot of different things. I said and more than once because I thought it was already over. <laughs> um, that one, like you can smell the coconut out of it. It's crazy. The second one is a Snickerdoodle Pastry Penguin, and that is an Imperial Milk Stout, and it has cocoa nibs, vanilla bean, and cinnamon. But the, the kicker on that one is that's 11.5%, so it's that'll knock you on your ass. Right, that is a dangerous beer. <clears throat> yes, it is. It's very Especially tasty. Especially if it's delicious. It's delicious, dude. Um, and then the last one is called Idle Space, which is a double hopped, or double dry hopped New England IPA, and those are Amarillo, Citra, and Mosaic hops. And those, mm. um, that one is probably one of the tastiest IPAs I've ever had. It doesn't have too many, like, that bitter hoppiness at the end. It's a little bit okay. more citrusy. Um, I really, is it in New England? Yes. Did you say? Yeah. Okay. So that one's really good too. I, I really enjoyed that one, which is I'm not a, usually a big fan of IPAs. The the uh, I'm trying to remember what which one I thought was or what I thought was interesting. Oh no, it's called a hazy IPA. That's what it is. So even though it's mm-hmm. in New England, it's called a hazy, which is like a new a newer terminology I've seen lately. It, right, it's a thing. Yeah, I'm not really sure the difference. Someone out there, probably Jordan, could tell me what a hazy is. So it'll be in the show notes if I can find it. Um, but yeah, it was fun to try those yesterday, and we'll be doing something for the, the Super Bowl this weekend. And Super Bowl. Other than that, um, just doing a lot of reading. School is kind of a whatever thing for me right now. Like, um, the the classes I'm taking. So one of them is like a manufacturing, like supply chain thing. So large scale manufacturing. How do you set up a network or like what's the point of it? Blah blah blah. Logistics things basically. Uh, then the two other ones are different ideas on um, energy conservation like looking at buildings and how do buildings use um energy <clears throat> and i, I i'm kind of sitting in class and 
I kind of know, like, a lot of it's kind of intuitive to some degree, but, like, the only other part of it is, like, being energy conscious is such a, a the concept for me as I'm sitting there is I'm, like, trying to think about um, ways to make it more relevant, like, understandable to more people basically because it's not uh-huh. just not just a thing that engineers um need to know about it's it's a thing that everybody needs to know about kind of to make it right because because you don't drive change for these kind of like being more energy conscious until you reach some sort of critical mass around everybody like <laughs> <laughs> like why do like why like the electric car kind of concept like you needed a critical mass for mass adoption within the general consumer kind of thing to be able to uh make it noticeable change for it. And so I'm trying to think of ways to articulate it to people or find someone who's like part of this energy world that can like articulate it better. And it's hard to find. Um, the best thing I can try to think of is like, you, we need some sort of way of like equating the energy we use to like power our cell phones and our buildings to like equivalency when you work out or something. So like you'd have a tracker and it says, you've generated this amount of watts. That's equivalent to you know, powering your cell phone for however many hours. Mm-hmm. Like you need something like that, always visible or like a thing on the gym where it's like, today we've used the treadmills of this much and like that equals to this amount of power, which is equal to, I don't know, you know, that's the best thing I've kind of like analogize it to late, late, lately is what I've been thinking about. Hmm. <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, it's not really relatable to my school. It's like the actual class I'm taking, but it's relatable in the sense that like, how do you make this like feel as important as it is to everybody else? Cause it's so easily taken for granted, granted. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it, we're in a, it's, we're in a weird pickle with energy. Cause we will for every year, basically we need more of it, but we need to use less of it more efficiently. <laughs> so you're in a t- the catch- ultimate problem, right? You're in a catch 2020 or catch 22. <laughs> Catch twenty twenty. I don't know what the fuck. Hashtag twenty twenty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's weird, and I don't know. I really, you know, I'm not smart enough to be able to one who's gonna solve this problem, and I don't think there is a single person that's gonna solve this problem. But yeah, that's been my latest conundrum with schooling stuff. <laughs> it's how to actually relate this thing to reality in some sense. Yeah, basically try to make it feel as important as it really is. Cause I can sit there and I understand the, you know, the electronics of it and all that kind of stuff from like an ele- intellectual mathy point of view. But for the most part, if you're talking to business executives, it doesn't, it just falls on deaf ears. It's like, well, the way they see it is like, well, we're going to spend, you know, X amount of millions of dollars to try and, you know, refit everything. And we won't see, you know, payback for 15 years. On the yeah. efficiency changes. So it's like, you're in a, you're just in a really bad situation on all ends. Yeah, and to some degree, they're like, "What? This sounds like a problem above our pay grade." In some sense, it's like we're just a business. We're just trying to stay afloat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Like we're trying to you know manage the bottom line, and now we got to manage the in the environment too. <laughs> it's like why should I care? But if you can give them a good reason, right? Exactly, and that's like half the class too, because the professor himself he's a energy consultant, so he does this as like a as a business for himself, basically where people hire him to say, okay, like, can you look at our processes and say what can we do right now or you know within a given budget to be more energy effective or conscious. And then, you know, you mm-hmm. lay out a blueprint for them. Like, if you do this today, you'll start saving, you know, X, you know, on your energy bills or something like that. Or, like, some of the simplest things is kind of understanding, like, peak power. So if you think of a normal working day, most of the heavy machinery in a factory is going to be used between, like, 8 and, say, 2 to 3 p.m. And then the idea would be that you would shift the most energy-intensive processes to the later shift, like between 4 and 10 p.m., where most people are off of work so that they can, you're not using that peak power, you're distributing it over the t- the entire day rather than like when everybody else is working kind of thing. Right. Leveraging the nine to five, I guess. Hmm. So it makes sense to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of understanding logistical problems in that way. So it's a, it's a weird level of problem solving, stuff like that, so. That's kind of what I've been doing with my classes. <laughs> is that part of the class that you should be doing that? Or is that just 
framework that you create for yourself? It's it's me thinking outside the box. Okay, I figured because that doesn't sound like like a good why is always seems to be lacking in education. Yeah, it's me because you know like, I've got five years in this field already. I can kind of understand the the inner workings of heavy machinery and stuff like that and i'm kind of like oh okay like i don't know just me me picking up the breadcrumbs and going one step further i guess yeah uh, other than that have you learned anything in your classes that are that's interesting or can be connected back hmm Outside. there's nothing that's really blown my mind yet hmm. some of it's it's kind of unfortunate in part because, like, there, there's one thing that our um, that our professor taught in perception that he thinks is a really big deal. This thing called um, signal detection theory, which is like a way of understanding how people make dis- simple decisions. Mm-hmm. So you have a criterion and you have a sensation. Actually, I should start earlier. <laughs> so uh, the early psychophysicists, which is psychophysics is the idea of <coughs> measuring sensation how people measure sensation and how we experience it mm-hmm. and the early psychophysics physicists thought that that we had thresholds that any any incoming stimulus could be detected once it hits a certain threshold so if something's really really quiet and you can't hear it if you keep slowly increasing it, eventually it hits the threshold and now you can hear it. Okay. So it's like a right, microphone so, almost where you have the gain turned down really low. <laughs> right. It's just, it's basically that idea. But the, the important part of that is that it was a fixed line, right? You have this good of hearing. So when this stimulus is loud enough, then you will hear it. And if it is too quiet, if it is below that line, then you won't hear it. Hmm. Well, with time, they realized that that was actually wrong, that you could hear the same stimulus under different conditions and and not or hear it. You could either not hear it or hear it. Same same sound. Weird. So, so it's like not a threshold. Discount? Right, it's a gradation of, uh, of experience, a gradation of sensitivity to that information. Whoa. So that made it kind of strange because you didn't really know what to think about that because that means that it's not that you're just not hearing it because there's something lacking in the amplitude of the stimulus, but that there's some other mechanism at play that's making it so you hear it or don't hear it. One of those things is attention. So you just don't hear things you don't care about. Right? I mean, you yeah. do this all the time, right? If you're in a huge lecture hall or in a bar or whatever, there's a ton of information coming your way. But you're only listening. You only actually hear the person you're paying the fuck attention to. Right. So that's one thing. Another thing is something like conditioning. It's like what you expect it to be. And if you take a stimulus and you have somebody slowly or you hear them, you you slowly increase the power of it until they can hear it. Or you slowly decrease the power of it until they can no longer hear it. They will continue to say that they hear it or don't hear it based on how you test it. So if you're slowly increasing the sound, it will take them longer to hear it. Because they're, in some sense, used to not hearing it. Because they're they're not expecting to hear it, so they're not as in tune with it, basically? Yeah, something like that. Huh, that's interesting. So there's what they ended up coming with to kind of leap ahead a little bit was this idea of signal detection theory, which is that you have a sensitivity and a criterion that creates how you perceive things. And the sensitivity is something like your biological ability to pick up on that thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, can you hear it? Can't you hear it? If you don't have ears, then you're not sensitive to right? Yeah. But if you do, then there's some kind of, there's some kind of, space in which you can hear that thing there's a i don't want to say threshold but because there's a technical term being used already right but something like a threshold that you can hear then there's a criterion which is something like how much evidence is there for you having heard it and then that will get you to act on it 
and that exists within your sensitivity. So you actually need both sensitivity to an object or a stimulus. You need both sensitivity to a stimulus and you need high enough criterion to actually acknowledge it. Huh. And this professor thinks that this is mind-blowing and we went through this whole way of calculating what like the, the, the like what the amount of hits you have versus false alarms mm-hmm. all this other stuff and he thought that this was like super interesting and it should change the way we think about how everybody makes this every kind of decision and i just don't buy it <laughs> nor do i think that it's really that interesting because it's literally type one and type two error problems and statistics it's the same damn thing basically yeah, it doesn't it seems more intuitive than anything else. It's just like I just don't think it's that big of a deal and he thinks it's a really big deal. And I'm like, uh, you're going to have to sell me harder on this one because this is just <laughs> this is like basic statistics. Like I don't see how this is that crazy. And I don't see how this how this accounts for more complex problem solving. Yeah, within perception and things like that because there's a lot of new research with not directly sound, but like light inside of dark rooms. Like you can shine things on the back of people's knees. They're like red light or something where you can, it's like not really visible. Right. But your eyes can still pick that up. Things like that. And I, that's like what I was thinking about when you're explaining this. And, and I've done hearing tests here at work for the, to make sure I'm not losing my hearing. And it's kind of like, so we go in like a special soundproof room and, or like a chamber thing. And then you put on headphones that, block out all the other sound and then you hear like a like a beeping sound like a double beep and you're supposed yeah. to click the button until you you know every time you hear the beep and then it starts on left side and does right side too each side separately and it starts high and goes low and sometimes i'm like i feel like i heard it so <laughs> it's like I, I as you're explaining it it seems kind of like not really a threshold thing but more of a like just intuitive sensation, I guess. And then the, the yeah. other, the other thing I was thinking of too is, is within uh, meditation, at least with the awareness and focus part of it. Cause um, people who are, I'm reading Dan Harris's uh, 10% happier. The one Mike got me for Christmas and he, he went on a t- seven or 10 day retreat for meditation. And on like day four, he like had like a breakthrough and he basically was able to realize how much sensation there was in the world. Cause like your body is so used to filtering sensation and you're like always thinking about something else or whatever. And yeah. So like, he used the term noting basically, which is like, you're just noting like what you're feeling. So it'll be like, you know, back pain, knee pain, itch. And it, like the way he describes it in the book is kind of like single words with a period. And then like the better he got at noting the, more like less space between what he was noting there were it's like a it's a meditation thing where it's like it's like a less conscious form of noting where you're just kind of like flowing with the sensory input i guess Mm -hmm. is is the best way i can describe it yeah i've there's noting i did headspace for so they do it but noting happens in that where it's like it's just even you can even note your own emotions that there's here's a feeling or here's a thought and it's not that you're you're going oh hey i have a thought or that's wow that's crazy it's literally just a moment of awareness that that is happening right and then an immediate and kind of gradual letting go of it it's just letting that moment or experience or sensation just wash over you and then keep going which i found actually to be really helpful in just daily life like most things It, it really helps just kind of like, especially when you get angry. So you like, or like something frustrates you. It's, it's really helpful when you're like, okay, I'm angry now or I'm getting frustrated. And so you kind of just do that. And like, I'll usually just take a, take a deep breath. Um, that, that's one of the big things that helped me. Cause, cause noting seems such like a weird concept initially to, to me. It, it was really foreign. Cause you're like, what do you mean? Just. Cause it's like, cause it's like a paradox almost, right? Cause you're, you're, you're thinking about whatever the sensation is, like even as a thought or a feeling or something, but not mm-hmm. fixating on it. But it's like, you're still, it's really, it's, you know, 
At least that's the way I first interpret it. But now with reading this book and then just kind of practicing and forcing myself to do it, I've kind of understood the actual point of it. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting thing, but to get back to perception, mm-hmm. you kind of, there is a ton of information that, and, and your attention and a whole bunch of other things affect what it is that you actually note, mm-hmm. what it is in daily life that breaks through the noise and makes it into your conscious awareness. Oh. Is basically what's going on. And I don't like the signal detection theory as the way of our way of conceptualizing it. I think it's too simple and boring and dry and it's just statistics and I don't think it, I don't actually think it accounts for attention that now maybe we just haven't gotten to that point but whatever. Yeah I was going to say is there like a newer theory because it seems like one of the first theories on perception. It's pretty early. I mean this was 1960s I think signal detection theory. So so there's got to be something Further oh, sure. down the road that builds off of that or makes a more think. robust picture. Huh. Trying to think what we talked about in behavioral neuroscience and cognition and what we talked about for incoming signals. It definitely talked about a that you have a physical capability and then you have a conscious awareness ability. So that's kind of analogous to sensitivity and um, criterion. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how much we got into problem solving other than like basic heuristics, like just simple strategies people generally use. There are something like rules of thumb that are um, universal. And they cause mistakes as part of how we end up measuring them. But Okay. It's interesting. I don't know if we got too much into the rest of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's probably still, you're still early on. I mean, you're only about a month in, so it's hard to say what you're actually seeing in, in, as the overall landscape of this very broad field. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, really, I haven't even touched the surface on the real stuff, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, this is all not quite introductory, but I'm no. You're, you're skimming the first I'm, few inches of the pond. Yeah, like I won't really get deep until grad school. So I don't know. That makes the classes are cool. Um, And a lot of what I've learned in uh, cognitive development, I've already I have already learned. Mm -hmm. Like we've been really focusing on Piaget, um, a couple his stuff, which is really important. Um, But that's been the prime focus for the time being. It's just been on Piaget, so I've already learned that. So I'm not too concerned. Oh, God damn it. Did I? Hold on. I just had a thought. What's the... Yep. I forgot to do my journal last week. God damn it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. so frustrating. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's worth like one point. So oh, okay. that, but that, it's still annoying but still that I forgot to do that. Annoying. Yeah. Because especially because when you're here, you're so your, your, uh, your Google Calendar stuff like that. Um, I actually, that'd be kind of cool if you just explained yourself, like how do you, or explain how you stay organized, because I think you do a really good job. Uh, oh my god, a Google Calendar, a whiteboard full of shit, like <laughs> notifications, all kinds of. It's difficult to stay this organized. Oh, absolutely, but it's it's kind of like on to me, it's kind of like one of those things that once you do all of the hard work to set it up, it pays. A huge, huge, huge amount of dividends forward. Oh, yeah. It because definitely does. Being organized is a really good idea, especially <laughs> when you have a lot going on. Like, it's next to impossible to to keep track of it all in your head. Like, your work has capacity. And to try to think, to just to think that you can hold all that info in your memory and not forget about some shit. Like I am organized and clearly I have forgotten things as I as, just have. Has it just happened in, in the moment, right? <laughs> yeah. Of course I just remember it the day after it's due. Couldn't have remembered it oh, yesterday. That's terrible. I think yeah, I did so the I same. Can't. I think I did the same thing though, because when I left school on Tuesday, I thought the quiz was, there was like an online quiz. And I thought I was due Thursday, did it on Thursday 
and it was late. I was like, oopsies. Yeah. But what Downside, are you going to do? I mean, it's again, it's not a big deal because right. it's worth like one or two points. But... Mm-hmm. Which means I'm probably going to have to, because it's such a passive thing and she doesn't remind us about it, you know, and then it's every Friday we have to do it. Yeah. Or have it turned in. I'm just going to, that's the type of thing that I'm going to have to make a notification for myself because it's not, it's so easy to forget something like that. It's so easy to just be like. Yeah. And then how do you make the notification? Is that just through uh, Google Google Calendar? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Google Calendar. It has to do tons of notifications. I know I'm being annoying so. about nitpicky things, but a lot of people find these things very interesting. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I can kind of run through it. Yeah, um, if you want to. Go ahead. What <laughs> I awesome. did, especially now that I have um, both a desktop, a phone, and a laptop that are Mac, and Mac is so good for this. Um, basically, I have it set up now where I have my my files on any one of those devices are a mirror of the files on the other. Yes. Especially between my laptop and my desktop. So I can access everything. Yeah. So I can access everything on my computer from my laptop, which is dope. But also one benefit of having like an ecosystem set up with like iCloud or when you're you're within your, the Apple's ecosystem. Yeah. That's why Mac is really nice. That's why Apple's that's what Apple I think is the best at. Mm-hmm. Now you can do things like that on PC. It's just not as simple. So yeah, I, I just transitioned myself. So I'm doing something very similar, but with Google now. So I use Google Drive as my my backup mm-hmm. system, basically. Because um, I was having issues trying to, at least for the podcast here, I was having issues trying to get the the thumbnail exports out onto my phone easily. Um, mm-hmm. But I, because I couldn't figure out what like the easiest way to do it, because I, because I could upload the the photos onto the back ends of the podcasting hosting platform or on the website in Squarespace easily enough. But if I wanted to post it onto social media, that was usually done on my phone because I'm not at my desk when I these episodes goes live, basically. So I've been using Google Photos instead of the iCloud stuff because I don't use any of the iCloud things. All my other computers are Windows. Um, mm-hmm. So Google, the Google system is really nice too. Um, for me, but they they work basically exactly the same. Yeah, so it's a really similar setup, mm-hmm. basically. And I is, love the the Google Calendar because it syncs to your uh, email. Yeah, that's that's the one nice. thing. I, I, yeah, I didn't realize that it did that, and it's super helpful. Um, getting used to that and making sure that you're you're on top of your own shit, basically. Yeah, so that's what I end up doing with. I ended up setting up Google Calendar as an app instead of um, mm-hmm. through the Drive online. Yeah, because you can download it as an app on Mac. And one, that's way better. Oh, that's because cool. I, I didn't know it had an app on Mac because I just yeah, have so the app on my phone. Yeah, you can do it on the. I actually did it on the laptop, so I don't have to go online and log in to look at my calendar. I can just pull it up on my on from the on the actual desktop. Yeah. Awesome. Which is dope. So that's what I did. <laughs> so I wanted to make it easy, accessible, cross, basically cross accessible, regardless of what device I'm using. Yeah. So I set it up so that that's easy to set up because as long as you use the song, same login um, for the calendar, then you can access all. Of it. And I have that and I have notifications and I can get on every device. Basically, that's what I end up getting doing. And then on top of that, so besides setting up a calendar and making it so that it's consistent and that I have tasks and I put everything in there and be disciplined enough to that when homework arises, I put it on that calendar so I don't forget. I also have a whiteboard that's a calendar that helps me track in oh, the physical cool. world my uh, my responsibilities and tasks I have to get done. So that's helpful. Um, though, to be honest, the Google Calendar is kind of making it a little obsolete, but it is nice to just have that there just so I can look at it in a brief moment. Yeah. I, I've noticed the same thing myself. I've, I've been battling with myself trying to figure out the the best way to find something that'll be like close to handwriting because I enjoy handwriting still because I feel like I remember things better. Right. But, 
transcribed onto an online note-taking thing, like I use Evernote, like some, there's something easier that'll just go straight there. Like, so if I'm doing show notes, like I'd like to be able to handwrite it, but also have that just go straight to an online version of that so I can just copy and paste it wherever it needs to go. Right. As an example. Um, but there's never really a good thing that does that quite yet, unless someone out there knows. Um, unless I get just like a Surface or an iPad Pro or something like that and just do note taking that way. But that's a lot of money just to do note taking. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I would uh, it, it. That's, that's, that's why I haven't, you know, I, that's like my first, you know, guess at trying to figure out something that does that easily. But yeah, not, not worth the money at this point. Yeah. But staying organized is really important. Yeah. And I know you guys use another service uh, f- within the SVAs is the Slack. So I don't know if you want to explain that one. Oh yeah, Slack is kind of like GroupMe, but way better organized, basically. Really? Because I know. So I, I almost use Slack for when we were starting the podcast, or at least I want to use it eventually once we're doing like internal communications, trying to figure out, you know, when yeah. things, when there are multiple people working on different set parts of it. Basically, is what I envision it as. Yeah. So Slack is really good because not only do you have a group that you have people invited in that you can talk to each other. You can organize based on what the conversation is about. So for the SVA, we have different little forums. Um, One might be benefit dinner planning. One might be meeting up. One might be, we even have a free food one. Like, hey, there's free food on campus. Post that shit on here so that people can snag some of that free food. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. (laughs) Yeah. So we have a bunch of those, but you can keep it organized so it's not one giant gaggle fuck of information like a group text might become. Yeah, where there's no searchability so can, or delineation between different channels, basically. Yeah, and it just gets absurd. You know what I mean? It just gets, like, and it gets messy. Like, what the fuck? Like, right. I'm missing, what? what are we talking about? I mean, How it's like trying this? to deal with, like, a Twitter thread or something like that, where it's just yeah. endless stream of comments, and you're just like, uh. <laughs> you're like, I don't even know what you're saying. Like, yeah. Jesus. It just devolves too quickly. That's cool. I, I, I haven't been able to use that, but it's kind of one of the things that when I was doing my senior design project, I like almost wanted to get up there and like give a presentation of like, you know, organizing yourself and organizing your team and having free tools like Slack. I think it's like one of those things that pays infinite dividends um, to stay organized. Oh, yeah. It's great. Like, I really like Slack. Yeah, it works amazingly for what we do. So that's helpful. If you if you're a group and you're trying to organize, like- yeah, I would definitely agree. So so for me on the personal end of organization, um, I, I would use Evernote. And so Evernote has um, so it's like a notebook, like an online notebook that's an app. So you can download it on your phone and on your on your desktop and all that stuff. And basically, you set it up so that it has different category notebooks basically and then you can have nested notebooks within those things so like i have an niu nested notebook basically that has all of my courses and Mm -hmm. so any documents that i have to like work with like schedules or stuff like that is all just there and it's like one click away and it all syncs together on all of my devices so i can check my phone i can check my you know uh pc or anything like that so it's all just there and then you can tag things too um it's really good for like remembering quotes or books or even for the podcast here. I have one that's like a note for every episode basically. And then th- that's how I start doing all of my show notes now is right. I start basically a new note. And it's just like, as I listen to the episode, I just start making a bulleted list or like for questions and things like that. So it's, it's really, really helpful. And then there's integration with Slack as well. So if there's like a team note that you're building or something and then you're like, you know, need to make a reminder, like someone can make a note and then shuttle that through into Slack to, to make it even easier to have a pipeline. So it's kind of cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we have, we have a team drive too. Okay. So yeah. So we use Google drive also. That's how team drive. Cause yeah. you can just drop documents into that shit. Yeah. We, we use the same thing when we were doing our senior design project and that's super helpful. Um, the only thing I would definitely recommend about using Google Drive is if you upload a document and you are making changes from like a Word file or something to like a, a Microsoft or the Google Docs document and like you convert it, formatting uh-huh. gets all sorts of funky if you have like images or something in there. Uh-huh. So if you're trying to format things, do it in one form <laughs> or 
like export it out and then make sure you don't have to change anything afterwards. Like it's, that was one of the things that we had to deal with in one of our projects, changing formatting around when you convert to different document types is a little bit of a pain in the ass. Um, yeah, that sounds like a bit of a pain. In the <laughs> because like we had like, you know, figures for like showing pictures of what we were building or whatever. And then when we converted it to a Google doc, it changed like the transparency or the text wrapping. So then it was like carrying over to where uh, pages or the, the caption of that figure was in a weird space instead of where the picture was. And we're like, how did that move? What? <laughs> it was like, why are you doing this? Yeah, it was just weird. Um, I'm trying to remember the other ones. For note taking, I also use a lot of the Evernote stuff for like writing things too, because um, that that'll be like the the first step of writing anything before I have to do any editing or anything. Like it's like first draft, basically, you know, just words on a page, and I know it's saved across everything. So I'm like, fuck, I don't have my notebook with like what I wrote down, because <laughs> that's like half the problem. Is like if I write things by hand, it'll be like, where did I put that? Damn it, that notebook's not with me, and I wanted to use that or something like that. Right. Um, I'm trying to remember other things that are cool or that are going on that I've been using, trying to stay organized. Are you, are you reading any books right now? Because I'm trying to remember. Um, just Psychotherapy and by Victor Frankel, but that is a slow one for me just because of all. That I have going on. Yeah, go ahead and say the name again because it cut out at the uh, before Victor Frankl, the second word or second to last. Oh, word. psychotherapy and existentialism. There we go. So that's Victor Frankl's other probably more well-known book, or was that his before the? No, Man's Search for Meaning is probably his. This is like a technical book for um, talking about his logotherapy, which was like a form of uh, okay. therapy. Therapeutic intervention, yeah. psychological therapeutic so the intervention. End, so there's an abbreviated version of the logotherapy stuff at the end of Man's Search for Meaning, since I just yeah. finished the book. Um, yeah. So it expands on that. Okay, that's pretty cool. I, th- I thought when I was, so as I was rereading or reading the end of the, the logotherapy stuff, I thought it was interesting, but it felt kind of redundant because he kind of explains a lot of those concepts in the actual book. Right. I, I felt like, at least from a, because I don't really care about the technical side of it as much because I'm not going to be right, right. <laughs> a psychologist. <laughs> right. So it's, for me, it was a little bit less interesting, but I, I found it interesting in the beginning. I was like, oh, just from like, this is how these ideas were formed kind of thing, like a evolution, right. evolution of the ideas, so to speak, which was cool. Um, yeah, so I'm going through that right now. Um, I'm doing a bunch of readings for um, this cognition lab that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Literature review is one of my responsibilities, so I just go through and try to find literature that is applicable to what we're researching. It's basically ends up being uh. a way to to connect the research we're doing to the broader uh, community in that research, so that it's not just some free floating piece of whatever, but that it cites backup articles that are reinforcing the findings that we find we can put it into context when we write the actual ah, that's uh, interesting paper. that makes a lot of sense because I was, I was you know it's one of those things you never you always wonder how do they do that right they go out there in the world and they say our research says this according to the other studies you know correlated or not yeah. co- correlated yeah it's been kind of interesting because I've also ended up finding a whole bunch interesting um articles that i'm just interested in as i go along <laughs> so i just i keep saving them like i'm finding some really cool stuff uh, i'm assuming uh, these are on published journals yeah websites yeah there's some pretty cool stuff like superstitious perceptions reveal properties of internal representations like what six views of embodied cognition that's pretty cool there's a whole bunch of really neat stuff going That's on. That's awesome. That sounds like something that would be awesome if you didn't have all this other stuff going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's a therapeutic one, like motivating goal-directed behavior through, in, through introspective self-talk, the role Whoa. of interrogative form of blah, 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 blah. But basically, it's like a way, and I read some, it's a way of increasing the likelihood that someone will do something that they need to do. Yeah. And that they're... You can 
and that they'll be more motivated to do so. So it's not just that they're more likely, though those things are probably, you know, commingled. But what you end up doing is instead of getting them to try to tell themselves to go do something, you sit them down and have them ask themselves to do something. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like, can I, I don't even know. Can I go to the gym, right? Would be yeah, like, <laughs> like, hey, me, would you be cool with cleaning the apartment today? And I'll be like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And then I'm more likely to do it. Weird. And that I think seems, that all that that is is kind like of the it won't work. Yeah, it's it's so strange. I think it's a, what it is is because you're doing it out loud. It's just an explicit form of what people already do. Because yeah. normally in your mind, you can think of a thousand times, I'm sure, when you've been like, fuck, I have to do this. Like, do this. Just yes. fucking do this today. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> or like, damn it. And, you're, and you have that internal dialogue. that, happens. But by making it explicit and external, it's like, and changing the frame, it it, may, it just increases the likelihood that you'll do it for some reason. That's I have to read the whole thing, but I thought that was pretty cool. I really like that. It seems like a, it's like a self-accountability thing. <sighs> Yeah, it's kind of neat. It's just a nice little practical thing. I like that a lot. It, it, sound, it almost reminds me of David Goggins' desk, except David Goggins just be like, hey, bitch. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit different. <laughs> he's a lot more intense. <laughs> yeah, that dude is a character. I, I'm listening to his audiobook, so that's been my, uh, my, my gym motivational music the last few, few days. I listen to that only while I'm at the gym. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it actually is weird how motivating it is, because it's like... You know, when when you when you read that stuff or listen to that stuff, you're like, you're like, God damn it! Like, I'm such a like whiny bitch <laughs> for no good reason. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. No, <laughs> dude. When I got back my grade on my Japanese exam, I was so pissed. I was like, God, brr. it was like I made multiple like just stupid mistakes. Yeah, I was right. Like, you, like, why do you do this? Why? Why do you do this? Yeah, you're like, you're an idiot. You deserved that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, dude. Like, I had to write a character, and I just left out half the character. Oh, my God. Your brain just... just I just went, nope, we're moving on. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I saw that shit. I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? (laughs) Well, I know what I was thinking. It's because it's like, we have 50 minutes to do that test. Yeah. It's a long test. It's like a four-page exam. Jesus. And we have 50 minutes to do it. I'm like, you're fucking high. Like, how are you going (laughs) to... It always gets down to the point where he goes, hey, five minutes left. And I go, whoa, fuck. And I'm just like, ah. And I'm just trying to read fast in Japanese, which right. is like, okay, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just mistakes. Reading fast in Japanese? Come on, Joe. Man, I don't even read fast in English. Like. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, I, I legitimately read slower now because I'm like, I, I have a pen with me half the time when I read, at least, yeah. at least for nonfiction. So I'm underlining things or I'm taking quotes out and inscribing them somewhere yep, and stuff. Same, you same know, thing. I have a highlighter. Yeah. And, and I, I actually heard, I was trying to figure out ways because I have like these like sticky tabs, like little uh, post-it notes, but they're like clear translucent for different colors. And so I what, I, mean, what I've been trying to do, I, I lost the one of them and I just found one today, thankfully. But what I've been doing is if there's points in the book that I want to come back to, because like the, 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 the reason I do it is so that I can talk about it again like for for the like podcasts like these basically and not sound like a dumbass um well you broke out in a weird way that is it all right there. squirrely oh yeah but it sounded from my end it sounded like you were starting making techno music yeah must have had internet hiccup there but, oh yeah um, hell yeah a musical um, hiccup <laughs> but yeah basically i said is like the I try to keep notes and organize them in a way so that I can go quickly reference them if we ever talk about it in a podcast or something or just have a, a quick reference sheet if I ever want to transcribe them because that's like one of the things I want to start doing is kind of making a personal spark notes of books, basically, things right. like that I found impactful and that I want to remember. Um, but one of the things I found on a, on a blog, um, it's called Farnham Street, and he has a podcast too that's got like – it's super in-depth – and he does a lot of like tactical tips and it's like how to like take notes the best for books and what he said is basically you highlight and you know underline things and write in the margins but at the end of every chapter you summarize in your own words and what is most impactful to you at the back at the, at the end of every chapter on like that back page that's usually blank or something like that huh and then and then what you'll do after that is then you transcribe that 
section of the like that summarizations for every chapter into into an online notebook of some sorts that you can easily reference it. Hmm. Yeah, it's super, I like it. I really like it too. I was like, damn, that's awesome. Like, I think that would be an awesome way of like uh, for us to even do like do books and stuff. I mean, it even reminds me of Jocko's stuff when he does his podcast where he's talking about books and excerpts right. and reading things. I think that's kind of a a neat way of figuring that out. Plus, I think when because of the mindset is like the when I now that I'm reading because I know I'm going to talk about it out loud to an audience of some sort. It's yeah. I feel like I'm absorbing more information because I know I'm gonna have to re like re reiterate it in some way. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. Cool. That's pretty nice. You know, and so I like I've been I've been trying to think of a way to better digest all the information that I'm getting from books mm-hmm. so that I so that I can do that so that I can actually talk, talk about it and then I have it at my disposable mm-hmm. disposal when I need it. Yeah. Whether and just to how would you say to like embody it or whatever, especially if I'm learning about like integrated into your own, whatever. Yeah. I, I need it to be integrated because if yeah. I'm going to, especially if I'm reading books about therapy and I'm trying to be a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, then I would like to be able to retain that information as a means of Absolutely. informing myself as I go into that clinical world. Absolutely. Cause you need a, you need a solid foundation. I think, especially when it comes to the clinical world like you if the more you have a, a basis in in the the research and just uh i don't even know if it's like a framework i guess is the best way to say it because there's just so yeah. much to read and i, I yeah think, like the one i just had a cool it was on a podcast that i i listened to this week i can't remember whose it was but basically the the thing he said is like if you have a mentor and the people you find out that are you know like if you have someone that you look up to the the person that person looks up to <laughs> should be someone you should be interested in, right? The guys that are like behind the scenes or don't have a lot of spotlight on them because they have a lot, you know, a lot worth listening to. Right. And that's one of the things I've been kind of trying to find is like those guys, not within history, but within different domains that not many people have heard about, but have been foundational within teaching a lot of people certain things. Right. Huh. I like it. Yeah. Been thinking about a lot of stuff, totally outside of <laughs> what I'm actually going to school for. Yeah, <laughs> I should do. Yep. <laughs> it's so weird now, man. Like, I keep thinking about what I would do. Like, what? Like, what? Because now that this is almost over, it's like next stage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You know, the next logical stage for most people would be business school of some sort. You know, MBA. Mm-hmm. engineer MBA equals you'll be a CEO one day or something like that some sort of executive um, right that just does not sound and, and <laughs> pleasing to me at all I don't <laughs> I just don't want to be the guy sitting behind a desk and staring at spreadsheets or something like that for uh, yeah 20 years or something like that um, I I like being in the trenches doing things and working with things but I, I think at this point it's kind of uh transitioning outside of total academic world because it's kind of the, the the group of people that I've noticed is like the within that's kind of blown up with the podcasting world because I'm listening or listening to another book called Game Changers where it's like all these guys are starting to like do interviews and figure out like what the it's like mental modeling I guess you would call it so it's like what are the tools that people use in general to orient their life if that makes mm-hmm. sense and how do they deal with stress and overcome problems and all that stuff like everything everybody knows or not knows but like wants to figure out intuitively but don't know how to like that doesn't come out easily as like a tactical something like you have to hear the story or do that it's broadly neuroscience and a little bit of psychology and it's hard to describe <laughs> yeah and and that's what i've been trying like most fascinated with is like what are all these tools that people use to orient their life and makes them successful and there's going to be contradictory things in all of those things obviously yeah. <laughs> because not everybody can you do the same thing but i think that's what's driving my thing and i i find the other part of it is kind of like a a neuroscience understanding with like how how does the brain work not me- mechanistically, because I don't think it does really anything mechanistically, but 
from like that engineer kind of mindset, I think would be cool. Well, I don't mean to cut this off abruptly, but I have a lot of work to do. And it's pretty soon here, I have a mattress arriving. A mattress? Finally got a better one instead of your yeah. terrible one you had at the apartment? This bullshit that they gave me is so bad. <laughs> it's understandable, but, man. We, we did a yeah. solid hour, so. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. And I got work done while we were doing it. Well, <laughs> naturally, Joe, you've been you've been on this multitasking kick for a while now. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I literally have to. There are three because we have so much homework next week. I'm trying to get three separate Japanese pieces of homework done today. Oh my lord! So that I can basically not be stressed as fuck all throughout the week. <laughs> yeah, you, half the battle is knowing yourself, right? And and prior, yeah. <laughs> and stopping yourself from giving yourself too much shit to do or worry about. <laughs> Yeah, so I've basically finished one already, which is part of what I was working on. I had, this is not stupid. They, we had to have a drawing for this thing, and it had to be colored, and they wanted to scan it and print it and a whole bunch of stuff. But I was just drawing it up on my iPad while we were doing this so that I could do two things at once and then have that for later. But I'll get two other pieces of homework done, and, nice. I, and I have to study for a quiz on Monday. Yeah, you, so, got, you got your hands full, man. I appreciate yeah. you taking up the time to have a chat catch up with all the things you want to since yeah. i know well, i was like i was excited by the the good news of this podcast is getting traction so i was like it really oh, is i want to do a podcast again i'm super blown away by the the response we've been getting i mean i would love to hear from the people that actually do listen to this like maybe something you've been learning or whatever that because we could do cool. a q a dude i would be well, down for that we could try have Figure out a Q&A way to set it up on the website or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. Or we could, we could start a Reddit. Yeah, that too. We could do that. Let's we'll see what we do. That. Let's, a Reddit seems like a good idea. Like, might as well snag that r slash now. Yeah, really. I've, I haven't even gone on there, but it could be a helpful way to get kind of communicate with people and figure out what yeah. they enjoy. And uh, talk to Nick. Yeah, I mean, I haven't even thought about that because I'm not a really Reddit person. But, yeah, that'd be super cool to try and figure that out. Um, we could probably put a poll up on Facebook too. That'd, Ooh. Be, that'd be a good way to do it. Okay. Q and A. Yeah, I'm down. I'll do it when, uh, cool. whenever I'm home again. Yeah, whenever you're home again, we'll have another discussion on. I think we're looking into morality soon. There's a, oh as yeah, a, we as want a, to talk about as that as a sneak peek. So that'll be fun. I'm excited for that one. Um, as another sneak peek, we're going to be doing another video discussion or movie discussion on uh, Ex Machina soon. Hmm. Yeah, cool. I'm excited for that one. Um, so yeah, till next time, everybody. Thanks for sitting in the conversation with me and Joe, per usual. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe. Go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.